Chapter Thirteen of the Actress in High Life, an episode in Winter Quarters by Sue Pettigrew Bowen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen. Crabbed age and youth cannot live together. Youth is full of pleasure. Age is full of care. Youth like summer morn. Age like winter weather. Youth like summer brave. Age like winter bare. Youth is full of sport. Age's breath is short youth is nimble age is lame youth is hot and bold age is weak and cold youth is wild and age is tame shakespeare they had ridden but a short way when lady mabel reining in her horse placed herself alongside of moody to ask how he felt now she feared lest he might be too unwell to undergo the fatigues of the day but thanks to lil's prescription moody was already another man he sat bold upright in the saddle with a martial air and looked around as if ready for any emergency she no longer felt any fears for him his curiosity too seemed to be awakened for he said you are a great botanist my lady and know every kind of plant pray what were those two tall trees near the farmer's house with bare trunks and feathery tops they are date palms said lady mabel you see more and more of them the nearer you get to africa indeed said moody with more astonishment than the information seemed to warrant yes she continued and they bear a luscious and nourishing fruit which in the deserts of africa is the chief food of the people it is to them what oatmeal is to the scot and how far are we from africa said moody dreading the answer but striving to put the question in an indifferent tone why some people say that africa begins at the pyrenees but colonel lille who knows the country thoroughly says that the sierra de manchique is the true boundary the kingdom of algarve lying beyond those mountains is in climate soil and vegetation truly african and it is only the strip of salt water that separates it from morocco that prevents its forming part of that country i never heard of the kingdom of algarve before said moody pondering the information he had received how far are we from it we will not find it a long day's journey to one of the chief towns said lady mabel its name its name is moropolis the city of the moors it lies on the border of algarve just like berwick on the border of scotland only algarve is a beautiful and fertile country which poor scotland is only to a scot it is an ill bird that fouls its own nest growled moody in an undertone have you forgot my lady that you are yourself a scot a scot said she deliberately as if now first considering that point my mother was an english woman so far i am not a scot but your father your father my lady moody angrily exclaimed he is a true scot and knows the worth of old scotland well he does indeed said she and has always thought it an excellent country to come from so he marched off at eighteen and has seldom been back there since so we are on the borders of africa exclaimed moody speaking to himself aloud why do you not see moody that the people grow darker each day as we travel on the innkeeper at evra is dark enough said he that truth flashing on him but the farmer and his girls are browner still by many a shade you will think them fair said lady mabel when you have travelled far enough onward and leaving him confused and alarmed she cantered on to join mrs shortridge now moody was a shrewd man perhaps a little too shrewd with an eye open to human depravity he was learned too in his way 
many a heavy tome of scotch controversial divinity had been thumbed by him as carefully as his bible but he never dwelt on anything he found there not sustaining his preconceived notions he involuntarily slighted those parts even of scripture that he could not rest to his purpose many an historical and traditional fact too floated loosely in his mind but his geographical education had been sadly neglected a topographical knowledge of half a dozen shires a general notion of the shape of old scotland and a hazy outline of the sister kingdom made up all he had attained to had you laid before him a chart of the sea-coast of bohemia first discovered by our great dramatist it would not have startled him in the least and he was ready to look for africa at any point of the compass he now saw clearly that this journey was part of a plot lil had first won the confidence of father and daughter then availing himself of her love for botany had habituated her to his presence and protection on short excursions around elvis he had used the commissary and his wife to beguile lady mabel from her father's protection under pretence of a short journey to a neighboring town having now rid himself of the innocent commissary he was leading her by devious paths far beyond pursuit lady mabel seemed bewitched and no longer saw with her own eyes was mrs shortridge a simple gull or something worse perhaps thought moody colonel bradshaw is right for an eavesdropping valet had given his scandal wings moody was not deeply read in romance but he remembered the traditionary tale of the young scotch heiress who while a party of her retainers were escorting her to the house of her guardian was set upon by a neighbouring chieftain at the head of his clan her followers concealing the girl under a huge cauldron stood round it for her defence and when the last man had fallen the victorious suitor carried off the girl and married her for her lands this too was a plain case of abducting an heiress not indeed by violence but with consummate art setting aside the rare attractions of the lady in moody's estimation the prize was immense lil with all his lofty airs was but a commoner with perhaps no fortune but his sword a mere adventurer and lord strathern's broad acres were an irresistible temptation though in truth this coveted domain counted thousands of acres of sheep-walk to the hundreds of plough-land having made this matter clear to his own mind moody cursed in his heart lord strathern's fatuity and the facile disposition lady mabel had so unexpectedly betrayed but though sorely troubled he was not a man to despair he resolved to watch lil closely and to rack his own invention for some way to foil his schemes while taking care not to betray the least suspicion of them meanwhile lady mabel as she could not herself visit algarve was extracting from lil a full account of that delightful region and he described well the picturesque and lofty mountains that cut off its narrow strip of maritime territory from the rest of portugal its tropical vegetation and its animal life its perpetual summer tempered alternately by the ocean and the mountain breeze when he mentioned any fact which lady mabel thought might liken this region to africa in moody's imagination she would turn and repeat it for his benefit thus the wolves and the wild boars abounding in the mountains became to him nameless monsters infesting the country the serpents were magnified in bulk and the poisonous lizard redoubled its venom the fevers common there grew more malignant the plague broke out occasionally and a few earthquakes were thrown in to enliven the narrative she garbled it too sadly suppressing the fact that algarve had furnished a large proportion of the adventurers who had discovered and conquered india and brazil and its mariners of this day the best in portugal she converted into barbary corsairs 
she said nothing about algarve having been the first province to rise against the french or about the half-dozen adventurous seamen who had sailed boldly in a fishing-boat to brazil to inform the regent that portugal still dared to struggle and to hope lil overheard and wondered at her perversion of his account of algarve without detecting her motive and moody thought her evident desire to visit this region proved her little less than mad for only her version of select portions of lil's remarks reached his ears it is singular said lil that the moor should have been more thoroughly driven out of algarve the most southern province than out of others north of it its maritime position perhaps made it easy for them to escape to morocco but the people are not so dark as in alemtejo and many of the women are beautifully fair in fact i have seen as lovely faces there as in any country but our own lady mabel took care not to enlighten moody by repeating to him this observation and he remained convinced that lil had been describing beforehand to the ladies the country he was leading them to the heat fatigue and discomfort of the last four days had almost worn out mrs shortridge's strength and now suggested to lady mabel some sage reflections on travel in general as the result of her experience travelling is certainly one of the pleasures of life with this peculiarity that it affords most pleasure when the journey is over with all the interest and excitement attending it there are some drawbacks we gratify our curiosity at times at no little cost in the search after strange manners the traveller may have to adopt them in inspecting the various conditions under which men can live we must often subject ourselves to these conditions and thus acquire practical experience in place of theoretical knowledge we cannot like don clefus command the services of asmodeus to enable us to be lookers-on without becoming parties in the scenes we witness to know how the arab lives we must for a time become an arab and to pry into the inner mysteries of hottentot life you must make yourself a hottentot and to estimate the prisoner's woes lil suggested you must try the virtues of a dungeon musty straw and bread and water that would be buying the knowledge dearly said she but i would like to try how the life of a nun would suit me it would suit you the least of all women said mrs shortridge you might die in the cloister but could not live there oh i am sure i could stand a short novitiate say three or six months exclaimed lady mabel your novitiate soon to end in freedom said lil would not help you to the experience of true internal life of the nun it is pleasant to walk leading your horse by the rein and at liberty to mount when you like but the essence of monastic life lies in the conviction that you have turned your back forever on the world without with all its trials its hopes and fears its passions and pursuits and have given yourself religiously to tread through this life the narrow path you have chosen to the next you have convinced me said lady mabel in my longing after a varied experience of the conditions of life i might sacrifice half a year to the trial of one but i prefer ignorance on this point to the burden of a life enduring vow if our knowledge were limited by our own experience we would know little indeed said lil our capacity to bring home to ourselves other conditions than our own depends more on the transferring and transforming faculties of the imagination than on the observing powers of the eye if indeed we had never felt bodily pain we could not feel for a man on the rack had we never known anguish of mind we might not estimate the mental agonies of others but we have feelings for the exercise of which sympathy and imagination can create conditions we can feel with the captive in the dungeon without going down there to take a place by his side still there is nothing like experience in one's own person said mrs shortridge 
i can now sympathize fully with the toil-worn traveller across a parched and thirsty desert under a broiling sun i own that the pleasures of this journey far exceed its pains thanks to your care and company but as lady mabel says the chief pleasure comes afterward and this journey will be still more pleasant next week than now in spite of its hardships said lady mabel it has been so agreeable to me that i would have it last a week longer as an escort interpreter and cicerone colonel lil has no rival he has too filled the commissary's place so well that we have suffered nothing from your good man's desertion the pleasure lady mabel expressed and her frank admission that she wished the journey longer delighted lil he longed to tell her that he was ever at her command as companion guardian and guide on any journey however long but no he must not say that he had no thoughts of matrimony at least just now a remote prospect did indeed float before his eyes in which he saw himself having outlived this war and attained the rank of major-general returning home to find lady mabel still lovely and still free to listen to a lover's suit this was but a bright vista of the future hemmed in and overhung by many a dark contingency a glowing picture in an ebony frame the character of the country underwent a change as they rode on sloping downward toward the guadiana over a succession of hills which concealed the descent the soil became more fertile but was scarcely more cultivated than in the region which they had just left behind them the heaths and broom plants now gave place to a variety of evergreen shrubs though the forest trees had vanished centuries ago the prospect was often shut out by the thickets that overspread the country an occasional spot of open ground indicated some attempts at cultivation but they saw few peasants and but one village seated on a hill until passing a wretched hamlet they reached the bank of a brook the shade of some trees already in full leaf in this sheltered spot tempted them to make here their noonday halt seating herself on the fern and moss at the foot of an old mulberry tree that overhung the little stream lady mabel pointed out to her companions that the trees around them were all of the same kind they were doubtless planted here said lil when the silk culture throve in this country a branch of industry which with too many others has almost died out civil disorder and foreign war have been fatal to it the spaniards have made alemtejo their high road in every invasion of portugal and the disasters of late years have completed the ruins of this frontier so long a debatable land the country around is for the most part a heath-covered waste or a wilderness of brushwood here the silkworm has perished the peasant's hand is idle and the amorera stands with unplucked leaves the better for us said mrs shortridge we need as thick as shade a solitary stork by the rivulet was engaged in that gentle sport which isaac walton assures us is so favourable to tranquil meditation deep in reverie the philosopher seemed not to heed their presence for a time he stood gravely on one leg then with a few stately strides drew nearer to them they were commenting on his sedate air and disregard for man's presence when moodie came and sat down within earshot of them the bird now raised his head and gave them a searching look then bending back his long neck he uttered a dissatisfied chatter with his snapping beak and taking wing sought a sequestered part of the stream remote from the intruders the stork would not have thus shunned natives he must have found out that we were foreigners and heretics said mrs shortridge it is this arch heretic moody that he shuns said lady mabel his presence would drive away a whole congregation of storks who are almost as good churchmen as the monks themselves perhaps quite as good said moody 
my arch-heresy consists in protesting now and always against idolatrous rome some here are not quite as good protestants as i am i never called myself a protestant said lil do you not sir exclaimed moody pray what are you then i never called myself a protestant in defining my faith and why not sir asked moody adding in an undertone now he will show the cloven foot because mine is a positive creed not to be expressed by negation in defining it i can admit no term not expressing some essential point i would not mistake the accident for the essence that god has given his revealed word to man is an essential point in my belief that rome has misconstrued that word may be true but comes not within the scope of my creed i believe that christ by his apostles founded a church to ramify through the world like the fruitful wine running over the wall some branches may have rotted off some may bear degenerate fruit some in unpruned luxuriance may bring forth nothing but leaves be it so my belief is that the branch i cleave to retains its vital vigour and produces life-sustaining fruit but how does this prevent your protesting against rome objected moody it prevents my making that protest any part of the definition of my faith names are things and he who is perpetually dubbing himself a protestant ends by making it the first article of his creed that rome errs and his active religion becomes opposition to rome now i find voltaire quite as good a protestant as you are i can say nothing to that answered moody never having met with that gentleman lil smiled for a moment but went on earnestly to say we believe that christ not only gave us a father but founded a church and we will not let go our hold upon it as some sects and nations have done out of a mere opposition to rome our forefathers by god's providence set earnestly to work reforming it were corrupted repairing it when dilapidated but did not pull it down in the presumptuous hope of building up another they purified the temple but did not destroy it they removed the idols but did plough up and sow with salt the consecrated spot because it had been defiled i see said moody warmly that you aim your anathema at the kirks among other christian bodies without anathematizing any one lil answered we take comfort to ourselves in the conviction that our church is a continuous branch of that which the apostles founded in christ and that it might have been in essentials what it now is were its history as closely connected with the greek church as it is with that of rome or had it ever stood unconnected with either of them never having been rebuilt from its foundation it has lost its apostolic character you have given many branches to the vine planted by christ observed moody perhaps you admit the church of rome to be one that still bears fruit to drop the figure of the vine i will answer you by saying that it is possible for a romanist to be a christian are christianity and idolatry one and the same said moody indignantly do you know how many dogmas the kirk and rome hold in common answered lil if you set down each article of christian doctrine in the order of its importance and certainty you may travel the same road with a romanist a long way nor is it easy to prove that rome does not hold to all christian truths moody rose from where he sat and stretched forth a protesting hand but he saw that protest was useless here so he withdrew to the shade of another tree and sat down to think what he should do for lady mabel's safety to refresh himself and sharpen his wits he took more than one draught from the bottle the wine being old mild and delicate in flavour he classed it in the same category with small beer far underrating its beguiling potency 
this vino maduro the vino generoso of the spaniard was that which maketh glad the heart of man being of a choice vintage from a famous vineyard it was rich oily and deceiving had moody not been too impatient to stay with us longer said lil he might have heard me admit that though the church of rome has kept the truth it has not been content with it but has mingled with it so large a mass of falsehood that the truth it teaches is no longer pure it has not thrown away the god-given treasure but it has piled over it such an ever-accumulating heap of rubbish that it is not easily found it may have guarded the fountain of life-giving waters but has so hedged it in with a labyrinth of superstitions and ceremonial rites that it is almost inaccessible to the flock call moody back and redeem yourself in his opinion said mrs shortridge he is now mourning over your approaching conversion to rome it is useless said lady mabel moody sets no value on half-truths moody denies there being any christianity left in popery said lil i assert that there is many a thorough though unconscious papist among protestants popery is not so much an accidental bundle of errors as a spontaneous and necessary growth from corrupt human nature thus many a charity with us originates in the hope of atoning for sins many seek salvation through vicarious but human means many a sectarian especially among women is not so much the member of a church as the follower of an idolized man there are protestant popes whose words are bulls in their little popedoms and protestant saints who unlike those of rome are canonized in life by their handful of followers i think i could find a patron saint for moody said lady mabel at least i do not think he would have been startled as i was on hearing a minister of the kirk after exhausting his powers of eulogy on the great apostle of the gentiles crown his praise by likening the prisoner paul preaching boldly in bonds before the roman governor in whose hand was his life to john knox the mouthpiece of the dominant faction bullying a lady and his queen a capture in their hands this was a strange canonization of john knox or a singular degradation of st paul but i see that our dinner awaits us and though this is a charming spot we must not linger here too long i am sure she added that the shy and meditative stork who left us so abruptly must be a deep theologian for it was he who suggested this learned dissertation on the church the travellers dined here under the shade of the trees and soon after took horse again moody threw himself into the saddle with a spirit and activity which led lady mabel to say your good wine colonel lil has done wonders for moody it carries him well through the labours of the day it seems to have cured his ailing body said lil but has not mellowed his temper he grows more crusty than ever in him said lady mabel crustiness is the natural condition and betokens health they had ridden but a little way when she heard moody call to her and reining in her horse she let him come up alongside of her he evidently wished to speak to her in private for he kept silence until lil and mrs shortridge were out of hearing and looked cautiously round to see that the servants were not too near my lady said he in a solemn manner i have been looking at you wondering if you are the same girl i have seen for years growing up under my eye another yet the same said she i have not yet quite lost my personal identity and how many months is it since we left scotland weeks you mean moody it is scarcely yet time to count by months weeks then have made a wondrous change in you i suspect that often happens in the progress of life said lady mabel we seem to stand still for a while at a monotonous stage of our existence a sudden change of condition comes and we leap forward toward maturity 
so too we may for years continue young in heart and health some heavy trouble or deep grief overtakes us and we at once are old it is not a leap forward in life that you have made but a leap aside out of your own character it amazes me to see you galloping wildly over this outlandish country without a thought but flowers soldiers and sight-seeing i sometimes think you bewitched what is more likely said lady mabel to us silly women flowers soldiers and sight-seeing are the most bewitching things in the world but you have lost all caution all fear and let those friends of yesterday lead you you know not whither travelling is one way to grow wise and as to danger what did you leave craigieside for if it was not to take care of me heaven knows i knew not what i undertook i find one young lady harder to look after than twelve score of ewes the kine and the crops with the ploughman shepherd and dairymaid to boot pray do not tell that to any but myself with such a character so far from passing for a lady i could not get a place as lady's maid you may laugh my lady but the danger is real and near i do not trust your new friends and moody shook his finger at them before him i know what is ordered must come to pass and it is sinful to repine at it but i have known you from a girl a child for you are a girl still my lady and it grieves my heart to see you galloping on to rome and ruin is that my predestined road said lady mabel then i suppose i must ride it but it will be at a spanking pace and giving her horse a cut she dashed off to the head of the party while moody gazed after her in despair hearing the tread of horses close behind him he looked round and saw lil's servants at his heels watching him closely the thought struck him that he might find these men useful so falling back alongside of them he said to lil's man do you know anything of the strange country we are going to now the man looked round for a moment with a puzzled air but perceiving that moody was under some strange mistake he merely said i am following my master and leave him to choose his own road we are playing the game of follow your leader mr moody said the groom dipping into the dialogue the colonel leads and we are to follow you know and d t we will play out the game but do you know that he is leading you to the land of the moors if he is going to the land of the great blackamoor himself we must shut our eyes and gallop down hill his country is said to lie in that way moody muttered something about a son of belial but he wished to use these men and not offend them so turning to the groom with grim sociability he asked can you speak the language of the people hereabouts i can call lustily for meat and drink and make my wants known at a pinch can you hire me a messenger at the next place we stop at you must know said he in a confidential tone i left an important matter sadly neglected in elvis it is my lord's business and i would be sorry to come to blame in it whatever it cost i must send a letter there without delay and while i write you must find man and horse he shall have two guineas the minute the job is done is that enough quite enough the groom answered gravely while his companion turned away his head to conceal a grin i know something about riding express and for two guineas i will find you a man to ride to elvis and back in double quick time you shall have a guinea for yourself if you prove a man of your word and send my letter in time if i fail you may your guinea choke me for i mean to melt it down into good liquor said the groom and i'll help him drink to your health in it mr moody said the other man 
or a guinea's worth of liquor might choke a better man than tom with hope renewed moody rode on after his mistress on coming up with them he heard lil and lady mabel talking portuguese to while away an idle hour she was taking a lesson in that tongue this annoyed moody who suspected some plot when they thus kept him in the dark but he consoled himself with the hope that his important dispatch would yet be in time to prevent mischief and he once more refreshed himself with his bottle being now well convinced of his medicinal virtue lady mabel was in high spirits talking and laughing and occasionally looking round at moody enjoying the deception she had put upon him her success in bewildering him now tempted her to quiz lil and she abruptly said it must have been a violent fit of patriotism and martial ardor that made you abandon the thought of taking orders and quit oxford for the camp i never had any thought of taking orders answered lil surprised and annoyed he knew not exactly why i only lived with those who had you lived with them to some purpose then and have too a great aptitude for the church it is not my vocation said lil laconically you have only not yet found it out but it is not too late she persisted your case my good man slaying christian is not like consalvos of cordova who had but a remnant of his days in which to play the penitent monk these wars will soon be over and you are still young if you cannot make a general you may be a bishop in time indeed i already see in you a pillar of our church it was not flattering to an ambitious young soldier to hint that he had so mistaken his calling lil was almost angry at which lady mabel felt a mischievous delight and mrs shortridge was highly amused it is but a small inducement i can offer you among so many higher motives lady mabel continued but i promise you that whenever you preach your first sermon i will travel even to land's end to hear it lady mabel shall offer a greater bribe said mrs shortridge with an arch look if you will only exchange the sword for the surplice colonel lil whenever she commits matrimony no one but you shall solemnize the rite far from being tempted lil seemed utterly disgusted at the inducement lady mabel blushed to the crown of her head and exclaimed i am too fond of my liberty to offer that bribe that is a high and bare hill she said seeking to divert their attention let us ride to the top of it and survey the country around you may do so if you like said mrs shortridge composedly but i have made a vow to do no extra riding to-day this road is long enough and rough enough for me lady mabel turned from the path and followed by lil was soon ascending the hill moody somewhat under the influence of his soporific draughts was in a reverie wondering whether lord strathern would get his letter in time to send a troop of horse after the fugitives and whether it might not come within the provisions of the military code to have lil court-martialed and shot for running off with his general's daughter when looking up he missed lady mabel and then discovered her with lil scampering over the hill in great confusion he rode up to mrs shortbridge and asked where are they going now i scarcely know she answered but colonel lil will take care of lady mabel so you can stay and take care of me moody cast on her a look of angry suspicion which scanned her from head to foot and plainly pronounced her no sufficient pledge for his mistress spurring his horse he followed lady mabel at a run the animal he rode had often carried fifteen stone in lord strathern's person over as rough ground as this and made light of moody's weight which was scarcely more than nine without picking his way he made directly for his companions ahead and the clatter of his hoofs soon making lady mabel look around she drew up her horse in haste and anxiously watched moody's career 
a deep chasm washed out by the winter rains was cleared by the horse in capital style but moody lit on his valise and with difficulty recovered the saddle just between him and lady mabel the last tree on the hillside torn from the shallow soil by some heavy blast lay horizontally on its decaying roots and branches moody rode at it with unquailing eye and while lady mabel uttered an exclamation of alarm the horse cleared it in a bucking leap throwing moody against the holsters but he fell back into his seat and rode up triumphantly to his mistress this energetic demonstration seemed to overawe lady mabel turning from the hilltop before them she rode demurely back to the party resolved not to wander from the beaten path or go faster than a foot-pace until moody had dismounted and his neck was safe a peasant on an ass coming down the road had stopped and stood at gaze at a distance watching the equestrian manoeuvres but when he saw the party now united coming toward him he turned short to the left and hastened away at a pace that proved that his burrow had four nimble legs that must be a thief said mrs shortridge afraid of falling in with honest folks or an honest man suggested lille afraid of falling among thieves i have observed a growing dislike in the peasantry to meeting small parties of our people in out-of-the-way places i suspect that they are sometimes made to pay toll for travelling their own roads their road was winding round the side of the hill and they presently got a glimpse of a cultivated valley before them the spirit of mischief suddenly revived in lady mabel's bosom she fell back alongside of moody and said this way seems much travelled it is no longer a by-path we may call it a high road in this country we must be drawing near to the city of Maropolis. i wonder we have yet met none of these turbaned moors moody roused himself and looked anxiously ahead the mountain shadows already fell upon the valley but the evening sun still shone upon a city opposite to them it was seated high above the valley and flanked by two fortresses of unequal elevation which partly hid it the serra de portalagre rising behind overhung it and the city seemed nestled in a nook in the steep mountainside moody from this point did not recognize the place but gazed on it steadfastly with no kindly feeling edom is exalted he hath made his habitation in the clefts of the rock he saith in his heart who shall bring me down but presently he distinguished the peculiar aqueduct and his eye roving westward was struck by the familiar outline of serra dosa we have lost our road said lady mabel and found our way back to elvis and laughing merrily she shot ahead leaving moody too much angered and mortified to enjoy the relief of his anxieties on reaching his quarters he went straight to his bed to sleep off his fatigue his chagrin and the good wine which had befriended yet beguiled him End of chapter thirteen